the prodigal son is a story about two sons, I guess you could just say. And their father splits his, I guess, wealth would be a good term for it. Splits his wealth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he splits his wealth between the two and gives each of them half. The uh, younger son goes and spends all of the money and just does pretty ungodly things. He goes practically crazy with it. And the older son tends the flock as always and does like he's supposed to. Time takes, time goes by. The younger son comes back and asks his father if he could be just a slave, a servant to him to have shelter. And his father says, no, you are my son. You have come back. We're throwing a fest for you. We are having a party for you. We are going to slaughter the best calf we have and feed it to you because you are my son and you have returned. The older, the older son was, he was all right with it, but he was kind of mad. He went up to his dad and said, what the heck? I mean, I've been here the whole time. I never went wrong. And why would you do this for him? He left you. And the father says, he is my son. He has come back. The herder does not rejoice for the 99 he still has, but he praises out and cries out for when the lost sheep comes home. All right. So, yeah, we're talking about the prodigal son this week and next. And, uh, and here's, the, here's, the, here's, here's where we're going to start, okay? In this story, in the story of the prodigal son, there are three main characters. Anybody know who the three main characters are? The two sons and the father. So we're going to call them the father, the son, and the brother. Okay, that's how we're going to differentiate in our own heads between them. Okay, we've got father, son, brother. Now, who do you think is the main character of this story? The son. Why do you think it's the son? He's the one who goes away and spends his money and comes back. What's the story called? The prodigal what? The prodigal son, right? So it makes sense that we would think the son is the main character. Um, okay, and that's reasonable that you would think that. Let's think a little bit about, let's, let's examine some context here. How many of you know in English, the teachers talk about context clues, right? Right? Yeah, right? So we're going to talk a little about context clues here. Now, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Okay, when Jesus tells this story, he's talking to Pharisees. Does anybody know what a Pharisee is? In the Bible, who who are the Pharisees? It's not a JVQ question, so she doesn't know. All right, yeah, we all just assumed that Shadow was going to know it. Um, okay, so the Pharisees are—they're kind of like the Jewish pastors. Okay, they know a lot. The Pharisees are—they're like the pastors. These guys, most of them, could literally quote Genesis, Exodus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They could quote the whole thing. Okay, that's a lot. Genesis has 50 chapters. Um, uh, Exodus and those other books have a lot of laws. There's a lot of stuff. These guys are like smart church people. Okay? And they believe that God loved them because they were good. Okay? And because they followed the law. There's, I forget however many laws there are in the Old, in the Old Testament law. And so they, man, these guys were sticklers about following the law. They were going to do what was right. They were going to do what was good. And they were ready to go, man. These guys were good at that. Okay? So let's think about this. 
Who are in the, of the three characters in the story of the, the father, the son, and the brother, who are the Pharisees the most like? Yes. The brother, right? Because the son, the prodigal son, he's, he's the one who's jacked up. He goes out and sins. He spends his money on, on, on everything bad, okay? He spends his money on pretty much everything that is bad. Um, but the older brother, he's the good kid. He's the, you know, he's the one that, uh, that did exactly what the father asked. He never left. He never wanted to go. So, so we got to think about this. When Jesus told this story to the Pharisees, they would not have seen it from the son's perspective because they don't understand the son. They're not like the son at all. They are like the brother. Hey, stay with me, guys. They're like the brother, okay? That's who they're going to focus on is the Pharisees were going to focus on the brother because that's who they were like, the, the, the Pharisees are like the brother. So that's who we're going to focus on a little bit tonight. We're going to think about it from the perspective of these, of these Pharisees. Now, if you're the older brother, your, your brother has taken his share of the money, and he has gone off, and he has had a good time. He has lived it up. He's partied. He's done all this crazy stuff, but he ended up broke, and he came groveling back to your dad, because that's what the, bro- the son does. The prodigal son comes groveling back to his dad, and the dad just takes him back, and he says, yes, you're my son. I love you. Kill the fatted calf, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Um, how would you feel if you're the older brother? Upset? Okay. Mixed emotions? Strange. What kind of mixed emotions would you have? Be upset that he got rewarded? Be happy that he came home, but upset that he got rewarded? Okay, that's fair. All right. How many of you would be jealous, maybe, that he got all this attention? Like, he's the one who ran away? Yeah. So Luke 15, which is where this is found, verses 29 and 30 says this. But he answered the father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But then this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home and you kill the fattened calf for him. Now, let's talk a little bit about the fattened calf um, because I like to eat. Now, the fatted calf, okay, what that means basically, that is like prime rib. Okay, this is like, this is like the best meat they can get, you know, and he's like, and he's like, dad, I've been here all this time. Look, look at all the stuff I've done. Look, I went and I plowed that field and I planted it and then I harvested that field too. And look, I've got this to-do list and everything's on, it's checked off. And, and yet he comes home after losing half of your money and you give him fogo de chow and I can't even get 20 bucks to take my buddies to McDonald's for a Big Mac. That's basically what he says. Okay, right, Fogo de Chao. Some of y'all are with me. I was looking for my little circle because I still have the circle and I couldn't find it just now. I thought it was in my backpack, but I couldn't find it. Anyways, so that's what he's saying. He's like, Dad, I've been gone all this time, or I've been here all this time, and yet you threw a party for him, and I don't get hardly anything. Okay? Now, how many of you have ever heard the term, the squeaky wheel gets the grease? Anybody know what that means? Anybody get that? Okay, some of you have heard that. It's like this. You ever wonder why the kids who cause all the trouble get all the teacher's attention? Right? Like the good kids never get it. The teacher kind of ignores them sometimes. Right? But then the kid who acts up, the teacher's always talking to him and they get all the attention. Right? That's kind of what we have here. We have this thing where he's like, hey, I've been here the whole time and you barely notice I'm here. But then this idiot other son of yours goes and blows all your money, does all the stuff he's not supposed to, and yet he gets all this attention and all this praise. And the reason why the son, why the brother is so jacked up and so confused is this. It's because he has been trying to work his way into relationship with the father. Okay, he was focused on the work and not on the father. The reason we played that game earlier, when you get dizzy 
What is it really hard to do? Walk, yes. See, but specifically, like, you can see, but it's hard to do what? Focus. Balance, too, yeah. It's hard to focus when you're all dizzy like that, and your eyes are, you know, you got the cross-eyed thing, like you're looking at one of those weird try-and-find-the-hidden-image thing, you know, you've got to cross your eyes. And that's how you get when you're all, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Let's hit, okay. Um, you get like that when you're all dizzy and your eyes are crossed and you can't, you can't focus. And see, that's where the brother was. The brother was so focused on his to-do list. He was so focused on all the stuff that he had to get done, that he wanted to get done. And he said, okay, I've got to plow that field and I've got to harvest this field and I've got to feed those oxen. And I've got to whatever, yada, 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 yada. He was so focused on that that he forgot about his relationship with his dad. Now, how many of y'all have ever plowed a field? Some of y'all actually have. That's right. We're in West Texas. Uh, so, okay. So y'all know. But w- what is more like our version of that? Like we don't plow fields often, those of us who live here in Odessa. Mow the lawn. Okay. What else do we do that, that is our work that keeps us busy? Do the dishes. Water the plant. Let's get even, huh? Pump the water. Let's get even more normal. What do you do 180 days a year? Where do you go 180 days a year? To school. Yes, you go to school 180 days a year, okay? You don't. Well, you're homeschooled. You still do work. Uh, all right. What about, you know, uh, what else is on our schedule? Like, I don't know if y'all, like, I have a calendar because I'll forget everything. So I keep an iCal going um, because, so what else, what all, if you had a calendar of your week, what all would be on your calendar? Volleyball, you said, church, guitar lessons, say what? Workout. Okay, what'd you say? Work out? All right, if you have a job, maybe, you know, some of you guys are almost at the age where you're getting jobs or you are at that age. Say what? Right, yeah, I was going to say, and all of our kids who aren't here tonight, it's because they're, they're in the middle of this. Audrey and Harley are at uh, Black Magic practice, and Tate is working on an essay that he's got doing. I think Taylor's at Black Magic as well because he's Spider-Man. And, uh, and so, yeah. And so here's the thing. All of those things are our version of what the brother had to do. The brother had his work. That's our version of work. Now, none of those things are bad. You guys have heard me talk time and time again about how I think you should set the example, how you should get good grades, how you should be good at the things that you do. You've heard me say that. But here's the thing. When we start to focus on those things instead of our relationship with the Father, we get all screwed up. Right? That's where the issues come in, and that's what happened here. It's not that all the things that the brother was doing was bad. It was good that he plowed the fields and that he harvested because that's how they made their money, and so that's a good thing. But he was doing it to the point where he wasn't paying attention to his father, and he wasn't in relationship with his father, and that's where he got all screwed up. Okay. Now, next Saturday, not like this coming Saturday, but the following Saturday, there's a race called the Belmont Stakes. Anybody know what the Belmont Stakes is? No. It's a horse race. Yeah. And it's the third race of the Triple Crown. Okay. The Triple Crown is the Kentucky Derby. Have you ever heard of the Kentucky Derby? A few people. Then the, uh, oh, what's the middle one? The Preakness. The Preakness. And then the Belmont Stakes. Now, if you win all three, there's only like 12 horses in history that have won all three of those. Okay. And they haven't had one since the mid-70s. Well, 
in a couple, in, in like 10 days from now, California Chrome is a horse who's going to race in the Belmont Stakes with a chance for the Triple Crown. He won the Kentucky Derby. He won the Preakness. He's about to go for the, uh, the, the Belmont, which would make him the first ho horse in like 38 years or something like that. And maybe 77 was the last time. I think it was Secretariat who won the Triple Crown. Now, when, when California Chrome gets up there to run, put that picture up, Wes. Put the next, put the picture up. Anybody know what those are on, uh, on his face? Blinders. What's the point of the blinders? Right. Because the horse will look to this side or to that side and run off into the crowd or into the rail or something like that. The blinders keep the horse focused on the finish line, on what's in front of it. Okay? That's, what the, that's the whole point of the blinders. And every horse in the race will have blinders on to keep them looking straight ahead and not to the side, not to the side. Now... That's what the brother needed in this story. The brother needed some blinders because he got so busy with his work that he forgot to look at his father. He forgot to have that relationship with his father. And so he was trying to work for his father's approval. And, man, we do that too. Like, Jesus, look at all the stuff I did. Look, Jesus, I got straight A's. And, look, I was the, you know, I was the captain of this team and this whatever did that. And, I, you know, and, and, and those things are good. I've said it a million times. You know, good things are good. But when they get in the way of God, we have issues. And I've been there. I've been, you know, I mean, I was on, I was in eight different musical ensembles my senior year of high school. I was in marching band, wind ensemble, jazz band, symphony orchestra, men's choir, large choir, uh, small choir, and show choir. So, so, you know, and on top of that, I graduated with 4.6. I had an AP class. I was the Worship leader for the youth band. I was on the Sunday morning worship team. Okay, so I know what it's like to be busy with good things because all those things are good. Um, but, you know, when those things start getting in the way of our walk with Jesus, then we have an issue. And I've I got to be honest with you, I got like that my senior year. I was so busy that my walk with God was really shallow and not very good that year. Um, just being really straight and honest with you guys. And so, because I was trying to do so many good things, look, God, look at all the good things I do. Look at it, look at look, look, look. We're like a little kid trying to get our dad's attention. Look, Dad, you know, you ever looked at, look at the, the coloring I did, right? Some of you got a little brother or sister. You might still even see that in your house sometimes. Like, you know, look, look, I made this, Dad. Look, look what I colored. Will you put it on the fridge, whatever? Yeah, look what I won. Look at my medal, whatever it may be. Yes. What? Oh, okay, with your mom. That, yeah, that's the same concept here. Um, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. We, we, we work to build that relationship when all God wants is the relationship. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily want the work. Now, when we're in relationship with God, with the Father, with Jesus, we want those same things he wants, and so we're going to work on the things that he wants. Like, like, you know, I'm in a relationship with Jesus, and he wants to see people saved, and so that's what I want to see, and so that's why I have my job. Like, that's why I do what I do. But I don't work to be in relationship with Jesus, I work because of my relationship with Jesus. And, and we have to make sure that we maintain that relationship, okay? That means sometimes we've got to put everything else aside and focus on Jesus. How do we do that? Well, like, where do we go to focus on Jesus? Church? Where else? Read your Bible? Oh, come on, don't give me this on glance. What, what did I announce earlier that we're going to do later in the summer? Camp, Camp right? Camp, man. You put everything aside, your cell phone loses all the reception, you can't even think about the internet because you've got nothing out there. And so, so you go and you go to camp and you focus on Jesus because it's really all there is to focus on. It's dirt and Jesus. And, you know, I, in fact, I told Chris, 
and, and yeah, with like four ounces of water in it. I told Chris that we should get a camp shirt that says dirt plus Jesus equals Roaring Springs. I think that would be a really funny, I think that would be an awesome shirt. But uh, right, and there's no springs. Yeah, I love it. So, uh, so, and camp is awesome, man. I love camp. You know, camp is like my favorite week of the year probably, okay? Some of you went to fine arts with us, and they had that service the night before. It was the same thing. That was the time where we kind of put everything aside. We talked about, you know, we focused on Jesus. We go to youth rallies and that kind of stuff. But we can't just wait for the three or four times a year that those kind of things come around. That's not a very good relationship, okay? So we have to make sure that we intentionally make time in our own life to, to focus on Jesus. We call it quiet time, okay? And you've heard me talk about this probably a bunch of times, and you're probably tired of it. But, but we have to do that, and we have to make a habit of that. Um, so y'all know, about six months ago, I got in that car accident, right? My truck was all jacked up. I didn't have it for like five and a half months. Um, now, my truck does not have automatic locks. I was cheap when I bought it. It has nothing automatic. It got the old crank window thing, and, you know, you got to do the elbow to lock the door. And so... All the rental cars and borrowed cars I had all had the, the automatic clicker lock, which is amazing. I love the clicker lock, you know. And so for five and a half months, I got used to that clicker automatic lock. So when I got my truck back for like two weeks, I left my truck unlocked all the time because I kept forgetting to elbow the lock down. You know, I kept forgetting to do the thing. And that's because I had got out of habit, right? They say it takes three weeks for a habit to form. Okay, you do something every day for three weeks, then it's a habit. And so we have to do that with our spiritual walk too. We have to habitually make time for Jesus. We have to make it a habit that we spend time in Jesus. And you've heard me talk about my, my morning routine. Some of you guys are new, so I'm going to share it. Draven's already laughing because he knows where I'm going with this. First thing I do in the morning, I get up and I go to the bathroom. Okay, and you're like, that's not weird yet. Don't worry, it's getting there. Here's the thing. I grab my iPad, Okay. I take the iPad with me, I go, I sit down to do my business, and I pull up my Bible reading plan. And, and while I'm having my morning constitutional, I, I read the Bible and I pray. I call it prayer and poop, okay? And so I'm serious, and you're laughing at me. I know it's funny and stupid, but you'll, you'll remember that. Because, because here's the thing, that's a habit. It's a habit for me now. I do it every morning. I grab my iPad when I wake up, and, I, and, and, I, and I, that's my morning routine, and it's a habit because I've been doing it for months and years on end. So we have to form those habits, and yours may not be just like that. And if it is, I don't really want to know. But, uh, you know, whatever your habit is of making time for Jesus, it's got to be a habit. And if you say you're too busy, I'm going to read you this quote by Leslie Brown. She's a pastor's wife in Dallas. It says this, we make time for what we want to do. Don't be deceived that you are too busy. If it's a priority in your mind, make it an actual priority in your actions. Okay? If you say, this person is important to me, but you never make time to spend with them, then they're not that important to you. So we have to be intentional about that. Okay? Now, I'm almost out of time, so i got to move on. Here's, here's, here's a big important part of this, too. How does the father react to the brother? What does the father say when the brother complains? The brother throws his sissy fit. Wah, 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 look at all that I did. How come you're throwing him a party? What does the brother respond? Yeah, what does the father, how does the father respond? Let's, let me ask this question. How would you have responded? Imagine you're a, a parent, and your kid comes to you complaining about that. What would you have said? Smack? Yes, very likely. I'm with you, right? But I'm like, listen, like, for me, I probably would be like, fine, then. You stay here in pound. We're going to go party. Right? Like, fine, you be a, you know, be you, you be a party pooper. We're going to go have a good time, and uh, we're going to celebrate because your brother's home. All right? That's probably what we all would have said. I probably would have said that. And so 
So here's the thing. The father doesn't do that. The father doesn't do that. The father says this in verse 31 and 32. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is, and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Jefferson Bethke puts it like this. God gives grace to the younger and the older. No one is past redemption. No one is past grace. All God wants is for both the religious and the rebellious to come into the party. We can wallow in self-righteousness or we can enjoy all that is our father's. That's cool, and that's the one thing about this that, that I love about the story. Because if you've been in church, some of you guys have been in church your whole lives, and you know this story. You know you've heard the story a bunch of times. And you think it's all about the younger brother, but this is not just for the lost people. It's for those of us who spent our lives in church too. Because he offers grace to the brother. He says, "Listen, I want you. You're in relationship with me too." Now, here's the interesting thing. We don't know what the brother responded. That's the end of the story. Verse 32 is the end of the thing, and in the next chapter, it totally changed. It's not the same story. We don't know what the brother responded, okay? And I think Jesus did that intentionally. Again, he knew his audience. He knew that they were going to identify with the brother. We know what the lost son did. We know what the prodigal did. He repented. He came back. But, but I think Jesus left it open so that these Pharisees, these church people, these good guys can decide for themselves how they were going to respond. And so tonight, that's the question for you guys, okay? We're about to wrap up here. So do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your heads. And we're just going to think for a couple minutes here. It's really easy for us as church people to see people get saved and see people, man, our church is growing like crazy. And we can see that and be like, God, I've been here the whole time. How come they get the grace when I've been here this whole time? And if, and if you've had that or if you're guilty of trying to work your way into relationship with Jesus, then tonight is your opportunity to, to turn away from that. That's what the word repent is. Repenting is just about turning away from an action. And so if that's been your, your attitude or your, your MO, your modus operandi, trying to work your way into a relationship with God, then I want you guys to just, in your own way, make a decision not to do that. Again, it's not that work is bad. It's that when work gets in the way of Jesus, we've lost the focus, and we're focused on the wrong thing. There's this old song that some of y'all probably don't even know. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know when you're focused on one thing, everything around it kind of gets blurry? That's what we want, man. If we're so focused on Jesus, everything else is going to fall into place. Jesus, we sang that song earlier, you make all things work together for the good of those who love you. And so if we're focused on him, he's going to take care of the rest. We may not always see the, the end of the line, but, but we know he's got our best interest at heart. So no matter where you are in your walk with God, if you've been a Christian your whole life, for some of you guys, you know, maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you're new in your walk, whatever it may be. Maybe you're a recent, recently begun that relationship. Tonight is a chance to focus on Jesus. Because he loves us. And he wants the best for us. And he wants to show us grace like we cannot imagine. He wants to give us what we don't deserve. Because if God was fair, we'd all be in trouble. Heavenly Father, tonight, God, that's our prayer. God, that we would focus on you. That you would be the primary uh, desire of our hearts. That you would be the primary uh, thing that we look to 
God, when we're in trouble, we would look to you. And when we're tired and we need, we need strength, we would look to you. And when we're, uh, and when we're uh, God, when we're sad, we would look to you for joy. And when we're, when we're in turmoil, we would look to you for peace. God, that we would not be like that older brother who's so focused on his works that he's not in relationship. God, I pray that you would draw us all into a deeper relationship with you tonight. And God, that when we're in that relationship, we know that everything else is under your control. And that when we're focused on that relationship with you, that the work of our hands is going to be about you and it's going to be to your glory. It will not be about our glory. God, I just pray for each student here, Lord, that you would bless them as they go. God, bless them in school as they finish up the last week and a half. Let them focus on these final couple weeks and do well on their, on their exams and their essays and whatever else they got going on. And and God, that you would heal any sicknesses that are going on. God, the stress levels are high and so our immune systems get weak. And I just pray that you would keep us healthy over these next couple weeks. And, and God, that you would simply bless us as a result of a relationship with you. God, we love you and we thank you because you are good to us before we ever deserved it. God, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.